Hi, I'm Will Daniels from Saab Australia and you're listening to Above and Beyond. here with another episode of Above and Beyond, brought to you by Reengineering Australia Foundation. REA's mantra is to engage, inspire and educate students, teachers and industry about the value of STEM education and STEM career pathways. Our goal is to facilitate students becoming outliers of STEM, to go above and beyond and to become leaders on the world stage. with us Will Daniels who's a cadet or was a cadet engineer at Saab so I'll class you as a young engineer thank you on the start of your journey and uh, we're going to talk about the impact of his career journey his uh, work at Saab uh, and his experiences working with subs in school so good day Will hey how's it going good so if you could tell us a little bit your journey from school into Saab and, and uh, through the cadetship program that Saab have. Sure. Well, I guess I could start from the beginning. I can't remember the exact conversation, but I was in about year four or five and I think we had some sort of careers counsellor come in and they said, you know, you've, you've got to do really well this year. You've got to learn all the things you can learn in year four and then you'll be ready for year five. And I sort of had this moment where I looked up and went, oh, wow, I've got year five and after that I've got year six and seven and before I know I'm going to be at year 12 and and then I've got to go to uni and get a job and all this kind of stuff was very sort of light bulb moment for me but I, I guess it sort of started then with my studies just pursuing what I found interesting I guess which was maths and science and things and how things work I'm always sort of fascinated to build things with my hands and create something interesting you know whether it be a RC plane or RC car or you know something out of Lego absolutely loved Lego as a kid and uh, connects if anyone's ever heard of connects connects is fantastic so I guess throughout my schooling journey I sort of tried to push myself and follow those kind of passions I ended up getting to year 12 studying double maths physics chemistry and German which was a little bit full-on but it was uh, very interesting I think I had to get something like over a 95 TR to get into aerospace engineering. So at the time, I'm in year 12, I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do for a university subject? And I looked at all these different types of degrees and subtypes and all this kind of thing. And uh, the, the one thing that stood out to me was uh, aerospace engineering. And I thought, you know, I also am interested in computers, so I'll do computer science as well. And I really couldn't see anything else that I would want to study and that actually worked out pretty well because uh, I got over 95 which was nice following year the TR dropped to something like 85 or something like that so you just sort of sailed through and you go oh you know I studied really hard and sailed over the bar maybe I could have studied a bit less and gone to a few more parties or something like that but no it actually all worked out pretty well in the end because uh, there's a lot of stuff especially in the first and second year uni that you you might tread over again from year 12 and I found that the way they taught it at my school in, in those later years was, was really good. So, so yeah, I went and did um, aerospace engineering, mass computer science, which I really enjoyed. It was, it was quite challenging. Sort of the, the more formative years in the first couple of years, there were maybe one or two boring subjects, but by the time you get to fourth year, fifth year, you're getting to play with some pretty interesting stuff. My honours project was to design and build a hybrid rocket and the payload that goes in it and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was really fascinating to see kind of the end-to-ends of a, 
a project in the university context. Yeah, so I guess moving on from university, I applied for the Saab Australia graduate program a couple of years ago now. So I've been working at Saab for just over three and a half years. And uh, yeah, I was, I was very lucky. I got in I got into the Saab graduate program. There were only three or four others that got in my year. Uh, since then, we've actually had quite a number of grads come through, which has been really, really nice to see. I started the Saab grad program, which goes for two years. They give you a whole lot of training and take you through all the different areas of the business and, and things like that. Uh, and in the second year, uh, you actually get to go and participate in subs and schools, which has been a lot of fun. What kind of things uh, does, does Saab do? Very briefly, uh, Saab Australia is a defence and security systems integrator with about 500 employees in Australia. Uh, we're part of the Saab group that develops everything from fighter jets to submarines, air traffic management systems, radars, and a whole lot more stuff. For the students who are listening, what sorts of things might you do in a day? Depends on the day. Depends uh, on which project I'm on, but I've, I've worked on a variety of different things. I've designed parts that have gone onto ships, so we were upgrading some of the PCs that go on the ships and do a lot of the computing and things like that. I work in the modelling and analysis team, and so well, I'm not, not quite sure how much I can tell you about the mathematics that we're sort of going into there, but sort of mathematical problems. Uh, there's some simulation that we do of various parts of the combat system, which is quite interesting. I've got to do some missile simulator work, I guess you would say, just keeping it fairly broad. Along the way in year two, you got to go and work with kids. That's so right. What was the motivation or driver behind that from Saab's point of view? And what did mm-hmm. you think when you started and when you finished doing that process? Right, so the, the motivation from Saab's point of view is uh, you've gone through the first year of the graduate program, you've kind of gotten the Uh, the basic training, I guess. And it's an opportunity for you to kind of have your own project in a a reasonably low-risk environment. You know, you're not going to be playing with the customer's toys or or anything like that, but uh, it's an opportunity to build your soft skills, to go through project life cycle, encourage STEM in the community, I guess. It's one of the Saab being a good corporate citizen kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time as a mentor. It's a... It's very rewarding once you get to the end. As you're going through, you're trying to sort of set milestones. And so what did, what did that physically entail if oh, you sorry. go to school? Yep. Yep. Um, so every fortnight, myself and one of my colleagues would uh, go out to the Heights School. That was the school that we mentored. And we would spend a couple of hours with the kids going through where they're up to, where they're trying to get to and any technical problems they might be coming up against. Wiring was a particularly difficult one for some of my teams, uh, trying to wire up the control box to get the uh, get the motors working properly. It's challenging. You try and explain things in the, in the clearest possible way. It seems fairly obvious to me how you should do it, um, but it is a lot for the kids to get their heads around for sure. And so from one week to another, you might be thinking, oh, maybe they could have made a bit more progress. But um, by the time they get to the end and they've got something together, yeah, it's quite rewarding to see them running around the pool. How complex are these submarines that the kids are building? Submarines are very complex. Submarines are very complex. There's a a couple of pressure hulls. There's a whole lot of electronics that have to sit inside the submarine, kind of like a real submarine, to be honest. There's always problems with uh, leaks, with getting the wiring right, Balancing the boat is quite challenging. You know, a lot of these problems you don't actually get to often uh, until you're at sea trials and you put the boat in the water and go, oh, look, we thought it was waterproof, happy days. We think the electronics are all wired together properly, happy days. But 
oh, we didn't think about bouncing the boat or it's a, maybe it's a bit heavy and it doesn't come off the bottom of the ball or it's a bit too buoyant and it won't actually dive, so things like that. So did you enjoy working with the kids? I did, I did. It's, it's quite rewarding to see their journey. Sometimes it can be a bit frustrating in the moment because you're trying to get an idea across and it's not quite clicking and you're thinking... Maybe if I could uh, explain it in a different way or something or like that. Were you thinking that was me a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking, you know what, if I was in year nine or year 10 and I had an older version of myself talking to me, I'd be thinking, what are you talking about? I've got no idea what you're trying to say. But look, if you take a more broad approach and look at from the start to the finish, they do pick up a lot of stuff. And I think there's a, there's a kind of a point, maybe two thirds of the way through the project where the penny drops for a lot of students because it's, it's kind of a different way of doing schoolwork. You're not told, you know, you have to follow steps A through Z uh, to get this done. You, you kind of have to think for yourself a little bit. You have to drive it yourself. You don't get given the answers. You know, that, that process takes uh, a bit of time to get your head around. Not something I really did until university properly, to be honest. On, on the one hand, it's, it's a little frustrating, but also, you know, they actually do really, really well. They pick up a lot of stuff uh, over the couple of months that you mentor them. So that younger you that you're talking to, mm. what was your would you, would that advice be to them now about this opportunity to do this project? Oh, it's a fantastic opportunity. I absolutely would have loved to have done this at school. It's a real privilege uh, to be a part of this kind of thing. When I was in year eight, we had a robotics club and I think we did a CO2 car racing. And then the next year, it sort of didn't go ahead and it kind of petered out a little bit. But look, if, if you're a student out there whose school is involved with subs and schools and you can get on board and you've got maybe mentors that can come out and help as well, I'd be jumping all over it. It's, it's challenging for sure, but you learn a lot. And if you're interested in maths, science, you know, making things, how things work, it's a real leg up on university, really gets you going in the right direction. Did you get the feeling the kids appreciated industry coming to them? I think so. Yeah, I think it provides uh, another point of contact to, to ask for more information, to try and clarify technical questions, uh, and also from a motivational standpoint, you know they're coming next week, and we said we were going to get this done. Oh no, we better get this done. A lot of the teams, when they get to the end, they say, oh, our time management wasn't very good, and in the interests of trying to get the projects to some sort of point of completion where you've got something working and you can be feel satisfied that you've you know, worked hard and, and achieved something that works, that's really, really useful to keep pushing the projects along. At times we bring kids from school to visit industry mm. uh, as compared to from industry going out to visit the kids. Which mm. of those do you think is the most important? From my point of view, we've actually done a bit of both. Uh, so we've obviously been out and done the mentor thing and we bring uh, student groups into to the facilities. Uh, I think you've got to have both the push and the pull, uh, to be honest, because it's, it's very impactful to go out and, and foster these kinds of programs. But you also have to have that kind of North Star, that, that big goal that, oh, I could go and work in, you know, Saab and I saw this really cool thing over there or something like that. But you, you kind of need to have some concept of what work might look like in five years' time or whenever it is. And if you can remember, you saw a whole lot of cool electronics, but you didn't know what it really was or you saw the, the mock-up of, uh, you know, the bridge of a ship, the command centre of a ship, that kind of thing. It's really good to sort of stick in your mind and, and give you that far off, you know, what's my five-year plan? Oh, I want to get to something like this. You know, I think that's really helpful. 
you've come across a lot of students. Mm-hmm. You, have you been a judge as well, I think, at some yeah, point? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your impression of the change in students? Maybe even we start with <laughs> when you start with them and when you finish with them, mm. or the change before and after the competition. What do things that come out stand out to you in terms of change? Uh, in terms of change before and after running through the project process, you, you can kind of see a, a change in thinking or a maturing in thinking because it's not so much, uh, yes, I can follow the recipe. It's, well, these are the recipes I'm going to pick and here's how I'm going to combine them together to make this kind of more abstract outcome. So, so they're transitioning from ABCD mm. to, to a systems model and an understanding of how to take, yeah, you, take a pro- project. Yeah, and you're starting to learn how to think more critically and more broadly. In the competition... It's really interesting. I had one of the teachers chat to me and say, look, this going to the state finals has been really, really beneficial for my kids' learning because they may not have done particularly well in their first year or anything like that, but now they're actually reading the question. They're looking at what is asked in their different assignments and their marks have just jumped straight up. So one of the great things about judging that I see is the real breadth of transparent feedback. You might be sitting there as a judge and go, okay, I have to mark this particular team, the verbal presentation on industry engagement, but they didn't say anything about industry engagement, so I have to give them a zero. Now, you might think that that's a little bit harsh giving someone, uh, giving a, a young kid a zero, but it's it's actually not taken that way. When they read through the feedback and go, oh, we got a zero for this, it's not because you, you know, you've done a really bad job overall, it's just you missed that one bit. And you have really fine granular feedback on exactly what you need to improve for next time. And that's, that's really, really helpful. And I've had that feedback from a couple of teachers, actually. So you're really saying the kids are starting to respond to the mistakes as a learning exercise, not as a punishment. That's right. I'd say. That's right. It's not, oh, you got a D overall. That's a bit demoralising. It's you, you did pretty well, and you've put in a good effort, and you had something that worked, and you know you might, you've had successes in some areas, but maybe not in others. And it's it's really useful to identify some of those areas in, I guess, a more non-confrontational kind of way, because it gets you to that place where you can work on and improve a little bit more easily. Yeah, and that's obviously got massive ramifications on the the ability to study and actually read the question, for example. It surprised me that you brought out the fact that teachers see the improvement in their performance across other across yeah. all subjects. I mean, yeah. I, our data shows that, but for you mm. to be pulling that straight out on first hand, it's great, great feedback. So if you were talking to a teacher who was half thinking about doing this, mm. what kind of advice, being that you've taken schools from nothing to something, yeah. what kind of advice would you give them about the approach they should take? I guess it can be a bit daunting, at the start, there's a, a lot of stuff to get through. Um, Is that in a sense because we've got to get teachers and students up to a certain yeah, level? Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, I've, I've seen uh, a couple of worried teachers going, oh, we've got quite a few things to do. The students know nothing about what we need to actually achieve and uh, I know almost a little bit more than nothing. Uh, all I would say is give it a go. It does get easier through doing it a, a number of years and as we've already spoken about, like the the improvements on the student learning is is well worth putting in the effort for starters. If you can get someone from industry to come out and help, even if it's just in the planning stage, to point you in the right direction and say, by the way, these are the key deliverables. This is kind of how I'd structure your project and this is how I'd push the kids forward. That kind of stuff, setting yourself up for success at the start is 
probably the best thing that you could do. Uh, and of course, if you can get mentors to come in and kind of checkpoint uh, your students' teams as they go along, that helps push the performance along and you know get, gets the teams uh, getting through more work. Yeah, it, it depends what you have access to, I guess. If Let's assume that you don't have... Um, you know, the luxury of some mentors coming out or anything like that. If you can just set a plan for the project at the start, keep it nice and simple, six or seven milestones, something like that, uh, over the three or four months, you can give it maybe a couple of terms worth or even a whole year subject. It, that will definitely help. So yeah, I guess the, the key message there is try and set yourself up for success as much as possible and treat that first year as a, as a learning year because you'll learn a lot. When you're in front of a classroom of, of students, boys and girls, mm. do you need to treat them differently in the sense of the way you give them or add to them or inspire them with information or, or with your contact? Or do boys and girls respond to the same kinds of things? I can't say that I've ever treated them differently, to be honest. I, I haven't really thought about it. I usually present in the same way every time and it's more a case of if if someone comes to me you know male or female and says oh, I don't understand this particular bit then I'll try and attack it from a, a different angle and I can sort of pluck from thin air and say oh, well maybe if we think about the problem a little bit more like this and the more times you attack that problem from a different angle the more likely you are that you'll get that message across I guess. Some of the kids here are quite young yeah I think you saw them at the pool the other day yeah yeah um, what's your impression of the, the ability of young people to take on lar- large tasks like this? Oh, it's amazing. Um, I, I think what we had some, what, year six or seven students yeah, this year? Yeah, 11, I think 10 to 11. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It blows my mind, honestly. I, I, I've said earlier that uh, in year nine or 10, I would have found this very, very challenging. But to see year six, seven, eight students tackle this stuff, it really just shows that if, if you've got a, a passion for it, there's not really much limiting you other than your effort and imagination, I guess. Well, Will, thanks very much for, for your feedback. I think it's been absolutely wonderful and it certainly adds to our um, logbook of information about how to deal and work with kids and I do appreciate the fact that you've been a judge and, and all of that stuff and, um, and I, I know firsthand that you have inspired a lot of kids. Oh, thank you. I think... Uh, you're working at um, St Peter's Girls. They had whole classrooms of girls waiting for you to turn Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were, you were so wonderful to work with. But thanks oh, very much you. for your time. My pleasure.